Hello, welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. It's great to have your company wherever you're listening around the world. El Camino de Santiago is a pilgrimage to the remains of Christ's Apostle St. James in the Spanish city of Santiago de Compostela, which translates as St. James under a field of stars. Pilgrims have traversed the Camino for centuries. It's an adventure of the spirit. You don't have to be a Christian to enjoy what the Camino has to offer. You don't have to be new agey or spiritually inclined. You just have to pack a few things, simple belongings really, in a backpack and walk. Be prepared to meet people from all over the world. Be prepared to meet yourself. Be prepared to spend long days wandering the ancient streets of Europe, your feet on cobblestones which may well have been walked upon by Romans. It's an opportunity to step away from the everyday. The world asks so much of us. Work, family and bills and groceries and pandemics and politics and media and trying to make ends meet. It's time to make your way to the surface to take a deep breath. Fill your lungs with adventure. Fill your lungs with appreciation for you. And be prepared, when you step onto the Camino, to find a simple essence so difficult to find as we navigate the swell and tides of life. I saw a quote this week, and I copied it into my diary to place in a podcast at some stage, and this week, as it turned out, is the perfect fit. Will Rogers was an American actor who ended up a kind of social commentator, and he said, Don't let yesterday take up too much of today. Now, you may wonder what that has to do with the Camino. Well, pilgrimage is about moving forward, travelling, walking, leaving past hurts and experiences behind, walking to discover what's waiting for us. My guest this week is an American pilgrim, Laurie Ferris, who runs the website The Camino Provides, a blog celebrating the Camino de Santiago and the pilgrim's journey from the calling to the Compostela and beyond. Laurie's on the line from Northern California. Welcome, pilgrim. Hi, Dan. We'll get to the Camino and your website and the Northern California chapter of the American Pilgrims on the Camino in a moment. But first, your other website, lferris.com, is about your other great passions, yoga and wellness. And I was reading some of your articles and I came across the word mindfulness. And I'd like to yeah. explore that theme a little bit. How do you describe mindfulness to people who ask about it? Oh, wow. Um, great question. First of all, thanks so much for having me on your show. Um, I always enjoy your podcasts. And um, yeah, so my wellness site about wellness, mindfulness, yoga, meditation, and all of that really is about sharing ways that people can be reminded of practices to incorporate mindfulness into their everyday life. And it's really about being present in the moment. And as life becomes so busy and crazy, and especially now with the pandemic, it's even more important to maintain that sense of presence and mindfulness. So it's pretty simple. I, I got into the mindfulness and wellness realm a few years ago and kind of diverted some focus over to that. Um, and that's why I started my wellness website a few years ago. The reason I wanted to start with mindfulness, Laurie, is it's important to the concept of pilgrimage too. Pilgrims need to find a certain balance between body and mind, don't they? Absolutely. It fits really well in with the idea of walking the Camino is when you're on the Camino, you're actually so in the present moment, you are kind of detached from the worries of day-to-day -day life. You can kind of really get away and just focus on the day-to-day, -day, you know, step by step, breath by breath. Your mind can wander. Um, it's just kind of like instant mindfulness yeah. when you're there. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's difficult probably it's more difficult to log off than it is to log on when you're on the Camino because in many ways the slow walking is a form of meditation 
and it really lends itself to sort of a quietness of mind, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember when you first heard about the Camino? Yeah, um, very clearly. I was actually traveling through northern Spain in 2014 on a tour of northern Spain with my mother, and there were a lot of um, people on that tour who wanted to do the Camino someday. And I'm really surprised I hadn't heard about it before because I had been to Spain like half a dozen times before hearing about the Camino. And I actually spent some time traveling around after college on a grand tour of Europe, um, which meant um, traveling on trains and on a shoestring budget with a couple of girlfriends. And we stayed in youth hostels and we were in Spain for um, a couple of weeks traveling. And then I spent a month in Sevilla doing a Spanish language immersion program. So I loved everything about Spain since after college. So it surprised me that I really didn't know much or I didn't even hear about the Camino until 20 years later. Um, and so that hearing about it and actually seeing some of the places along the Camino and seeing pilgrims, I was curious. And so I, it kind of sparked this interest in me, I guess, you can say the calling set in at that point. Mm. And I knew I wanted in. And so when I got back home, I started researching it and um, looking at the films and the videos and checking out all the books from the library. And I actually was in a writing workshop at the time. So I decided to write about the Camino um, for my assignment. And then one thing led to another, and the more I learned about it, the more I wanted to do it. And I felt like this is something that I have to do. And I was also, it was, I was 47 years old at the time, and I was thinking this would be a great thing to do when I turn 50. Uh, you know, the milestone birthday, yeah. a lot of pilgrims have celebrated a big occasion in their life by walking the Camino. Um, but the thing is, is, you know, the more I learned about it and the more pilgrims that I met and spoke to about it, I didn't want to wait three more years to the big 50. I, I wanted to do it right away. So I uh, planned to do a short Camino in 2016 and have done one to two weeks of Caminos ever since then, with the exception of last year, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and we're going to get to that in just a sec. But when when you go back to that very first Camino, do you remember, Laurie, what you imagined it would be like, and how it measured up to your expectations once you'd arrived on the Camino and became accustomed to the journey? Do you remember? Um, yeah, it was it was all new and fresh. I mean, I had experience traveling through Europe for on. Um, and trains and also with a backpack, but, um, but the, the appeal for me at this stage in my life, um, I loved what the promise of the Camino was for me at the time is being able to walk and meet people from all around the world and live simply, you know, walk humbly and, um, just kind of be open mm. to serendipity. And I kind of wanted to keep it open. I didn't really want to over plan. I wanted to, I knew I wanted to stay in albergues. So I made a point to do that. Um, being a solo female traveler, I, I knew I wanted to stay in the um, albergues and get that experience. And and so that was a lot of fun for me. And so the expectations, I mean, I tried not to set too many expectations, mm. but at the same time, I did want to be physically prepared for it. So I did a lot of training leading up to it. And um, I interviewed pilgrims for my blog and I learned so much about it through them. But I also didn't want to 
have their experience dictate my own experience. I wanted to just soak it all in for myself. Yeah. And you've walked four Caminos, the Portuguese, the Inglés, the Primitivo, and the Invierno. You haven't been tempted to walk the Frances? I would love to walk the Frances, but I do not want to shortchange it. Um, I still work full-time, and I don't want to do just Saria to Santiago. When I am able to take off five weeks I want or six weeks or retire, <laughs> um, whichever comes first. I want to be able to walk the full Frances yeah. from Saint Jean and and not break it up and not do shorter segments of it. I think I'll hold out. I am fine with waiting until that time happens. So it's definitely in the future. Um, and at first, I thought that was the only Camino there was. I thought you had to do like a 500 mile Camino. So once I learned that I could do shorter Camino, I was pleasantly surprised. And and I had so much fun doing these one to two week Caminos that, you know, it kind of got it out of my system that, okay, I've walked this alone. I can do this. Um, So I'm going to hold off until the right moment. And I don't know when that will be. Wow. How exciting, though, to know it's on the horizon. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's really cool. That's awesome. Hey, Laurie, tell us about The Camino Provides and where you got the inspiration. Well, when I was doing my exploration and research while I was planning for that first Camino, that theme kept coming up. People kept saying The Camino Provides. Um and there were stories linked to it, you know, from the forum and from different Facebook groups. People had this theme. It was seemed like such a common thread. And I'm a blogger and um, I've done a lot of um, websites and, and stuff. So I just thought, as I'm researching this and writing this paper, why not document my findings on a blog? So I thought... Let me uh, see if that domain name is available. And ironically, it was available still. So um, I I got the domain name and titled it The Camino Provides and, you know, started documenting my research about it. And this was, I, I started this blog a year before I walked the Camino. So um, it was all about the calling back then. And the calling was very strong (laughs) in me, as it is in many people. And so I just wanted a a place to write these notes up and um, interview pilgrims and do some book reviews and videos and just kind of uh, put everything in one place. Yeah, and I never, um, I never thought I was an expert, you know, because I hadn't even walked it yet. Um, and I still am not an expert, but because I learn things new every time I do it. But um, I just thought it would be a great way. If anything, it would be a way for my family to understand the calling and what I'm going through. And, you know, trying to explain to my mother that I want to go backpack in Spain on my own, you know, or to my husband or to my friends. It's not a very common thing in our part of the world, you know, it's, it's not for everyone. Yeah. So all my research and all my exploration and talking to people, I kind of wanted to capture that and put it out there so they could understand yeah. what I was, um, that journey that I was just beginning. And it's just a wonderful unfolding, you know, the more you learn about it and the more people you talk to, it just draws you in more <laughs> it sure <No>. does <laughs> it sure does <laughs> tell us about the patches oh the patches so um well before i walked my first camino i i saw that patches were kind of a thing i i looked around i wanted a patch and i wasn't really crazy about the designs of patches that were out there so i thought i would make my own <laughs> And um, for my own backpack. And so I 
I found a vendor and I designed it and with the title, the Camino provides, and, um, it was just a two color shell. Um, my, actually the early version of the logo, um, it wasn't a rounded thing yet, but I made it a round patch. And, and so I experimented with that and I just thought, Oh, I'll order one for myself. And you know, 20, I think my first order was 20 patches and I would give them to friends that I met at these Bay Area events. Um, and so I really like how it turned out. And I gave them to a few of my early pilgrim friends who were very welcoming to me in the Northern California chapter. And they're like, wow, these are great. You should sell them. And um, like, oh, okay. So I actually thought this was kind of a fun thing. And I had this creative spurt when I was going through this calling and everything. And so I redesigned the patch to a round format and um, the first patch doesn't have a year on it. And I thought that's all I would do. It's just this one patch. And then I did another design for um, 2016 with little stars on it. And then the, in 2017, I was, um, I, by then I had an Etsy shop to sell these and it's Etsy is great for things like this. Yeah. And I just, um, mail them from my kitchen table. Um, when I get an order, I, I just write a card out and a thank you card and, and send them off wherever people are in the world. Um, and so that's been a lot of fun for me. It feels like the patches are a small little thing that brings a smile to people's faces. And so I um, decided to do, a rainbow design shell in 2017, not really knowing that that would continue, but that rainbow design was so popular. So I continued that. And so far I've done the rainbow design for, let's see, five years now. Yes, this is the fifth year of that design. So um, I'm just continuing it. And some people have had every patch design. You know, they have the whole series. Wow. And some people just want the patch for the particular year that they walked the Camino. And it's just something that is fun for me. It doesn't take a lot of um, effort at this point. I don't promote it too much these days. It's just kind of my Etsy shop is out there and, and people find it or people will see other people's patches. And I just still enjoy it. And so that is the idea with the patches. Yeah, I, I I got a few that arrived in my mailbox a couple of days ago, which was absolutely delightful. Oh. I was so excited. That was fantastic. What a lovely surprise. But you say that the blog is your way of keeping the spirit of the Camino alive in our everyday lives. Is it difficult for pilgrims to return home and to keep that spirit of the Camino alive in their everyday lives? I think it can be. It was in my experience and many other pilgrims that I've talked to about this. Um, for one thing, I think when you come home to family who hasn't done it and maybe they're thinking you're off having a five-star resort vacation or something, <laughs> um, they, they don't quite get it. And, you know, you try to tell them about it. It's just really hard to explain to people who haven't done it. Um, you know, even close family members and, you know, they're, I start telling them about it and I'm gushing with enthusiasm about it. And they're like, oh, you know, bunk beds and backpacks and blisters, you know, why would you want to do something like that? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's, you can't really explain it to people who haven't done it. I mean, I try and that's part of mm. my blog is, you know, I try to explain things. Um, but it's really something that only pilgrims will truly understand, I think. And so connecting with locals, you know, and also people around the world who have done it before, you kind of have this, a sense of connection. So I think that's essential to keep that spirit alive. You know, whether it's local friends, who have done the Camino in your own community or people online 
around the world or your Camino family that you met, you know, staying in touch with those people you met along the way. So I think those are valuable things that we cherish as pilgrims because it is hard to adjust. You know, it's not something you can just check off a list and um, move on to a different adventure. I mean, maybe it is for some people, but for me and the majority of pilgrims that I know, once you've done it, you want to just keep going back or you want to be yeah. part of that in your everyday life. Yeah, yeah. No, that's for sure. But I, I wonder if there's one thing that you do from time to time at home and you think, I wouldn't have done that like that before, the Camino. In a way, it's sort of manifesting itself in your day-to-day life. Is there one thing that you notice and think, oh, that's the Camino shining through? Oh, yeah, there's many things like that. Um, I think the first thing that comes to mind is living with less, like lightening the load. Um, Metaphorically, you know, the the backpack, you don't need much and you don't want much because that weighs you down. Yeah. So when I came home from my first Camino, I went through this whole purge of closets and drawers and I got rid of a ton of stuff. And so that is very useful because I've lived in the same house for the last um, 23 years and stuff accumulates. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I had to purge um, at home. And, and then the second big thing is, you know, let go, let go and let God. Um, and for me, that means try not to over plan or try not to manage every detail of your life just let go and and experience it and you kind of have to let go on the camino you know you some things don't go your way and you know you're thrown for a loop or the albergue is full and there's no beds or it starts pouring down rain and you just have to kind of let go of your expectations or what your plans might have been mm. and, you know, kind of shake things up. Yeah. Go with the flow. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know, that's interesting that you say that because I don't want to be found guilty of making generalizations, but Californians are renowned for being a bit new agey. But what about, <laughs> what if I'm not new agey? What if I don't have mindfulness? What could the Camino provide me? Well, it just might give you that entry into that instant mindfulness that I mentioned where you're walking and breathing and you're out in nature. I mean, I think it's going to (laughs) happen. It might take a while for some people if if they're not new agey or you know you don't have to be new agey or spiritual like you say in your intro um i think the camino is a great way to get you there you know it's like an on-ramp to that (laughs) and of course we we haven't had the opportunity to walk the camino many of us throughout the world um in the last year So going back to your question about what I do daily for, to keep that spirit of the Camino alive. Well, since we haven't been able to walk the Camino, I'm, I'm doing things like with my chapter, I'm doing um, more like online events and and zoom presentations and chapter meetups and things like that. And, also connecting with the friends I made in the chapter who I wouldn't have known if it weren't for this Camino experience. And there's some wonderful pilgrims, you know, in the the area. So I'm really grateful for that Camino experience because it brought so many great people into my world and that I, I regularly see more than my old friends BC before Camino, you know, (laughs) Um, in fact, I just, um, a peregrina friend, Jane, and I are doing this new route that 
we're kind of calling it the Camino de la Cresta, which means Cresta is like ridge. So it's the Bay Area Ridge Trail. And it's a network of trails that connect up and they will eventually circumnavigate the entire Bay Area. So we started walking some of these sections a few weeks ago, and we've done two of them. In fact, yesterday, the hike that I was on was a 10 and a half mile hike from Inspiration Point in the Berkeley Hills. And that is directly across from San Francisco. So it was a beautiful day. You can look out at the bay and see three of the Bay Area bridges, including the Golden Gate Bridge. Wow. And um, we started there and walked through um, redwoods and ferns and oak and ups and downs, a lot of hills and wonderful trails. And 10 and a half miles later, we ended up in the Oakland Hills, not far from where I live, in Redwood Park. And so there's this book that we both bought. It's the Bay Area Ridge Trail. It is the official guide for hikers, mountain bikers, and equestrians to do this Bay Area Ridge Trail. So Jane and I are doing this together. Um, Right now, it's just her and I because we are in a strict COVID lockdown. And, you know, we are... We wear masks, and we only have two of us right now. Eventually, as things open up, we'll invite more pilgrim friends. But we have this commitment to honor the safety measures of our region. Yeah. And um, so, you know, we bring picnic lunches. You know, restaurants aren't open anyway. Um, You know, some are open for takeout. But it's kind of like being on the Camino again. Um, you know, we're getting our pack- backpacks on and we're shaking off the rust uh, on our bodies. We're getting sore <laughs> and um, we're having a blast doing oh, this great. so far. Yeah. And we want to do one section every weekend as long as possible, as long as we can do this. And, um, and we're starting local. We're starting in Oakland and the East Bay while the days are shorter. And then as the seasons progress and going into summer and fall we'll drive a little farther um and maybe by then maybe by summer or fall we can rendezvous with other pilgrims in the bay area for them to join us on these walks but of course safety first so that's where we're at yeah how how fantastic that you have the 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 Peregrino sister to walk with to share this journey with even though we are in lockdown i'm in Australia, we're very lucky. Um, we, we can wander about, um, but we just can't leave Australia. Simple as that. And there'll be a long time before we are allowed to leave Australia. So it'll be a long time mm-hmm. before we're back. But at least we can sort of wander about, which is good. I just I don't want to leave the concept of Camino Provides just yet. I, I remember being lost. I had no cash. I had very little water. I was exhausted, emotional. I was, to be honest, a bit frustrated and I was starving. And I was about two hours' walk from Leon where I was – and I knew I'd be able to get some cash, but I was really down. I'm really down. And I turned a corner, and there, sitting outside a supermercado with a cold beer and a sandwich, was an Irish pilgrim I'd walked with a few days earlier. And without knowing my circumstances, she said, Dan, great to see you. Pull up a chair while you take your pack off. I'll go and buy you a beer and a sandwich. And only <laughs> moments after I thought I was destined for two hours of pain, I was enjoying a beer and a <laughs> – a, t- a Serrano and tomato bocadillo, <laughs> just having the time of my life. But oh, she, see, she, I, yeah, that's she, it. yeah, that's it, right? So Claudia, she didn't, she didn't expect anything from me. She just said, "Here, I'll buy you a sandwich and a beer." And I, and 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 as we clinked glasses, she said, "The Camino provides." And I said, "Yeah, yeah, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much." But why, Laurie, do you think the Camino encourages this benevolence in us? What, what is it? Do you think? makes us reach out to provide? Hmm. Great question. I think it, the Camino brings out the best in us. Mm. Where I think we have a feeling of being grateful to be there and wanting to make a difference in 
somebody else's day or help somebody out. Um, yeah, I think in our day-to-day life, when we're so caught up with work and everything, we're doing all that. It's yeah. kind of uh, the treadmill of life. But over there, I think it's, I don't know. I see it as being grateful and wanting to find a way to give back. Mm. And just, yeah. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, that makes perfect sense if you do find yourself wanting to give back because you are so grateful of what you're experiencing. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And And I wonder then, because you mentioned before you speak with pilgrims all the time in your role as chapter coordinator for the Northern California chapter of American Pilgrims on the Camino. Do you find generally in your dealings with pilgrims back home that they continue to practice the same generosity? I think so. Mm. Yes. Well, what a wonderful yeah. legacy of the Camino then. It is. Yeah, it's, we have a very active chapter and, you know, we have volunteers that lead hikes and that do presentations and um, they become mentors to newbies, you know, yeah. um, we've matched quite a few newbies up with mentors and they want to give back. And then there's this whole um, Camino subculture of the hospitaleros. And I actually, uh, I knew I wanted to be a hospitalera. So I made a point on my first Camino to stay in municipal albergues because that's one of the requirements. I think you have to stay in at least two. And I ended up staying in six. But um, so the next year I did the training to be a hospitalera. And there is a a two-week minimum commitment that you would need to do, um, but you have to have that training first. Yeah. And so far, I haven't had the opportunity to officially serve for two weeks, but I did do a short stint, um, five days volunteering at an albergue in uh, Ponferrada through a friend who lives over there. Um, And so, you know, I think another thing about why I wanted to do the Camino, why the calling was so strong is I wanted to give back. I wanted to do some travel that is more meaningful. You know, I had done a lot of different types of travel and my husband and I used to really enjoy going to Europe and traveling around on our own. Um, But I kind of wanted to do some kind of travel that gives back. And so maybe knowing that there's an element of volunteering on the Camino mm. and that it's supported by volunteers, that's, that was very attractive to me. You know, at this stage in life, you wanna, you're looking for opportunities to give back. And that is very compelling for me. And so I think because I haven't been able to do a two-week stint because of my work um, situation, and also I have to say that Three out of the four Caminos that I've done, I've traveled in Europe with my mother on like two-week tours. Um, So I added my Caminos on to those two-week tours. So it was like taking a month off anyway. Yeah. Um, I'm very grateful to be able to do that. So, um, you know, until her and I can go back, and, and I don't know, she's 85 now, and I don't know if she'll be able to fly back to Europe. So, um, and these tours with each other, usually around Mother's Day in May, were always a wonderful experience for us to connect and and bond. And then she would fly home to Las Vegas and I would do a Camino. So um, because of that, you know, maybe that era has ended. I, I hope not. I hope she has another couple in her, but you know, the world is all different now and I don't know when we'll be able to go back. But Maybe I will be able to do Hospitalero stint and add on a Camino um, next year or the following year. So I would still like to do that to really embed myself in one place on the Camino. I think somebody who, a Hospitalero, um, said that you are like the rock in the stream of pilgrims going by. And I would like to experience that sometime, just being in one place, um, greeting pilgrims, um, cooking 
with them and sharing stories and and then have different people come through every day. I think that would be a lot of fun. And that's all part of volunteering and giving back on the Camino. Yeah, and I think um, I think that was Tom Wisner who said that. Um, and he has done a lot of hospitalary work. He often wakes the pilgrims up singing, morning has broken. <laughs> Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> Isn't that fantastic? Yeah. So good, so good. Yeah. Oh, oh, so good. Yeah. Um, so let's go back to the Camino, but I can't get that out of my head that you've just said there that, you know, basing yourself there somewhere. It'll be a kind of a different Camino, wouldn't it? Because the pilgrims would be walking past you. That yeah, would, it would, would be different. It would be a different journey, wouldn't it? I had never thought of that. Yeah, I like the sound of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hospitalero, here we go. Um, I, let's go back to the Camino because there are people who, who listen because they would like to get some more information about the Camino de Santiago. How far do you walk each day? Oh, I've done a, a range from, mm, I'm still in miles. I'm, <laughs> um, you know, anywhere from six to eight miles on an easy day to like, 22 miles on a tough day and I have to say I I like the sweet spot of you know 12 10 to 12 miles is nice you know on average I I really had to hustle on my 2019 Camino Invierno because the stages are long and um let's see 30 kilometer days you know that's not that's not ideal it's not something I want to do, but I kind of had no choice. (laughs) Um, The first six days on that Camino in Vierno, um, there's not many options uh, for pilgrims. And so I had to walk longer days. And and then when it merged with the Via de la Plata, San Abres, there was all kinds of options and all kinds of places to stop and get food. So I had to really cowgirl up on that last Camino and I even hitchhiked a few times. What? <laughs> yes. <laughs> is is that um, a smart thing to do, Laurie? Is that a very well, sensible I thing? I don't do it regularly. I, I do never. <laughs> I never do it at home. Um, but there was one day, and I was just my legs were already hurting, and I knew I had a long way to go. And I just thought, let me just give this a shot. You know, I feel actually pretty safe on the Camino, and. Um, in Spain in general, I feel very safe. Um, the people are wonderful. So I just thought I would stick my thumb out and see what happens. And sure and enough, a car stopped. And as I was walking toward it, this fear set in. You know, there was this, a white car with darkened windows that stopped. And, and I was walking up to it because it just stopped on this kind of country road. I'm like, what did I get myself into here? Laurie. <laughs> I felt this fear come up on me. Like, who's it going to be? Is it going to be this a pilgrim molester or some kind of crazy person? And then I, I looked in the driver's seat, and um, there's this super friendly African young woman um, with a big smile on her face, and she. She said she was driving that direction. I told her where I was going. And um, I just got a good vibe from her. And I, I got in the car and we started chatting. It turns out she is from the Dominican Republic. And she's working um, as a house cleaner in Spain. You know, the Dominican Republic is a Caribbean island. It, half of it is Haiti. And half is yeah. uh, so French-speaking on the Haiti side. And half is Spanish-speaking on the Dominican Republic side. And my father actually lived in the Dominican Republic, and I visited there when he lived there. So um, kind of a small world connection that I would run into a Dominican um, who gave me this ride that really saved my legs because I had a lot more to do. Uh, But we had a wonderful chat, and, um, you know, I bring extra patches when I'm on the Camino, and I... I offered her some cash and she wouldn't take it. And I, I gave her a patch and um, said goodbye and took a selfie with her. And we have, I have a great memory from that. You know, what started out it was desperation, really, putting my thumb out there in the first place, but feeling that the Camino provides. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. 
might, might as well try it. And I ended up meeting a lovely person and getting a ride. And um, I actually had to do it on another day because those stages were so long. So um, that's a whole other topic, this Camino in Vier now. And, and someday I will uh, write about it or present about it. But well, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's my next question I had here. Tell us about the in Vier. No, it's also called the Winter Way. Yes, yes. So, um, the Winter Way, so it starts in Ponferrada and it splits off south. The Camino Frances goes straight west. Yeah. Um, well, of course, not straight, but yeah. the Invierno goes south and it avoids the El Osobrero Mountains, you know, the higher mountains, and um, it goes south over more of a gentle rolling hills kind of thing. So is that why it's um, called the winter way? Because you, you can't get across Osobrero and those mountains in winter. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Right. Yeah. It's um, easier on um, to do if there's closures and people don't want to hike in the snow, if they want to do a Camino in the middle of winter, um, that would be the less treacherous or snowy route. Sure. Apparently. So um, the name stuck, and it's kind of emerging. It's um, people are really trying hard to bring it back, um, or bring some pilgrim services to it. Um, when I was there in 2019, there was a lot of uh, places that were still closed. You know, I had a guidebook. Uh, there was albergues that I thought would be there, and they weren't, or they weren't open. And this was May, and, you know, some places had said that they were going to open in June and July for high season. So I was just on the cusp of high season, I guess. Right. Um, so um, I ended up staying in more hotels, um, so I had to pay a little bit more. But it was a beautiful walk, and I knew it would be less populated, and that's another benefit of this, if if people are doing, if they've done the Camino Frances before and they want less crowds, this is a perfect alternative where they can just veer off at Pomferrada, go south, and then, you know, head west, and then it merges with the Via de la Plata. So there's those pilgrims coming from the south, you know, you meet up with them. Um, so it's a wonderful option, if you don't mind longer stages and at the first part, um, staying in hotels until they get more albergues and pensions and, and places open. Um, that's how it is, and uh, at least in my experience. Yeah. I, I know that um, uh, you do lots of walks in and around your community in Northern California. You spoke earlier about these 10-mile walks you're doing every Sunday. What makes the Camino different to long walks in the woods and parks where you live now that you've had time to reflect and you certainly are walking with a fellow pilgrim, you said a peregrina before, so you're in the kind of company that you would expect on the Camino, but what makes the Camino different to the walks around your local area? Hmm. That's another great question. In fact, I was just thinking about one of the main differences um, on the Camino, you don't have to deal with a car, you know, getting to a start point and end point. Here at home, we need to coordinate, you know, getting to the end point, leaving a car there, and then driving a car to the start point. <laughs> you know, these end-to-end -end section hikes, you have to coordinate more. And so I was thinking, oh, we kind of take that for granted in the Camino, we don't have to deal with cars and parking and yeah. carpooling and yeah. shuttling. You know, on the very basic level, that's one of the things that's very different. You know, it takes more coordination here at home. Um, and then also you don't – it's mostly through, like, parks. There's not as many stops. Like, the Camino has so many stops, you know, with the exception of the Invierno. There's um, – usually a cafe, you know, every couple of hours or a restaurant or something yeah, yeah, that you'll yeah. see to stop and get um, a drink um, or a meal. So those pilgrim meals um, 
I learned to pack, you know, a lot of snacks and actually a hearty meal. When I'm doing these walks, I like a hot meal. So I bought a um, food thermos. So I heat up my lunch, put it in this thermos, and then I can have a hot meal during my lunch break. And so it's like, you know, having a pilgrim meal, but portable (laughs) in in my own backpack. So my day pack for these Bay Area hikes, it's actually quite heavy because thermoses are heavy. <laughs> and my my hearty lunch is kind of heavy too. And all my water, because there's no places to stop. Um, so I'm packing my food in my backpack yesterday. I didn't weigh it, but it felt as about the same weight of my Camino backpack. And it was just for the day, you know. Yeah, but I think... I think it's also the um, the energy, isn't it? It, it? It's almost like you can feel it all of the time. You don't. I don't get that when I walk around Sydney. I don't get the same energy. Well, you're right about that. Um, if you're walking with a pilgrim, though, um, you can come very close <laughs> to having that energy of the Camino because yeah. naturally, both of us were gushing about the Camino and, and talking about it. So it <laughs> kind of felt like. Um, at least we were having a, a great conversation about our Caminos and actually planning a future Camino when it's safe to do so. Um, Cause that's really the, for me, it's been the fun part of when I finish a Camino, I'm already planning the next one. Yeah. So, um, but you're right. There is some sense of magic when you're there and there's this, like anything can happen. You can run into anybody Um I mean, it's funny how a few times, just spending time in Santiago after my Caminos, I ran into Bay Area pilgrims that happened to be there at the same time. And that's just a fun thing. You know, it's, I think it, it's like the Camino is a really small world. Once you're involved in the community, you'll see your friends in Santiago or on the, along the way, or you'll see people that you've, had emails with or Facebook conversations yeah, or yeah. friends with, and then you meet them in person finally. And it's like you click, there's this instant connection with other pilgrims. It's amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. That is amazing. I know, I know, I know you run into people and it's just the most delightful surprise. Hey, what did you learn about yourself on the Camino? Oh, let's see. Well, that I think a big lesson was letting go. I think I was trying to control things too much. Yeah. And I had to let go and, and lighten up and go with the flow. You know, um, my work can be quite stressful. And so getting away on the Camino gives me the opportunity to think about things and, and get away from that. And um, just, I think, getting out of that routine at home and stepping into another routine that is quite simple. You know, you generally go to bed early, you wake up early, you you get your pack and your boots on and you walk until you're hungry or tired and then find a place to sleep and then you do it all over again. And it's kind of, there's a comfort to that pattern of what the pilgrim does. And I learned that um, I'm stronger than I thought. Um, That was a nice surprise. Like just when I thought, oh my God, I can't do another day. Like if I'm super exhausted by the end of the day of walking and my legs are just so tired and my feet are on fire. You know that feeling? Oh my gosh, yeah. (laughs) Um, It's amazing how the body can snap back. Now, I do a lot of wellness things to help me get back and, you know, recover quickly. Um, Like putting my legs up the wall. Uh uh, That's a very good idea. uh, yeah, after a long day of walking, I mean, the the pain in the legs and the swelling go down within 10 minutes. And, and so 
days were so hard sometimes that I just think, how can I go on? Do I want to take a rest day tomorrow? But then the next day I'd feel fine. And that surprised me. Like I could do this. And in fact, I love this. And when I got back from my Caminos, I wanted to keep walking every day. Yeah. that's right. So I learned that, um, I need something like this. You know, I sleep better when I have a lot of walking to do. <laughs> um, I'm in better shape. It helps me mentally, physically, everything. Yeah, the great joy of walking is just so underestimated so often. Is there a special place on the Camino, Laurie, where you're just longing to return to? Well, yes. Um, besides Santiago? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed the Inglés, the northern coast, um, La Coruña. Oh. Um, beautiful medieval town, um, one of the medieval villages in Galicia that had a wall, you know, and you could still see parts of the wall. Um, that place is so special. And when you do the Inglés, you can do a Camino that's starts from there or from Ferrol. And in order to get a Compostela, you have to start from Ferrol. Um, but I heard so much about A Coruña that I wanted to go there, and I spent one night there, and I explored it, and I just loved it so much. I want to go back there. Um, and I also want to go on um, back to the Camino Portugues, back where I started, but I want to walk the coastal next time. Ah, yes. I'm, yeah, I'm drawn to being by water. Um, and so anytime I can walk by a coast or a river, um, creeks and streams, I love the sound of running water and um, or waves. And, and if I am doing like an inland Camino, I try to start at the coast and just walk on the beach and, you know, get my feet wet and and look for shells and, and just kind of have a day. Um, for me, that's been a tradition. And, um, and that's longing for, I guess, because I grew up in the Bay Area and we have our Pacific Ocean nearby and beaches, I feel drawn to that. It makes me feel kind of like at home. But it also is very soothing to me to be by water. Yeah, I wonder why that is. Is that because perhaps being from the Bay Area, it's around you all the time, and so you seek it out when you head back overseas? Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, yeah, how lovely. Yeah, yeah. So if someone's listening, Laurie, and they're thinking of walking, what would you say to them? Well, if you're thinking about it and you have the calling to do the Camino, you should do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, I do recommend training so that you can be comfortable while you're there. And also refining your packing list and testing out your gear. Uh, I know some people just get get the urge to do the Camino and they'll just do it on a whim without much planning. I know a few people who've done that and it worked out fine for them. But I'm in the camp where I like to be prepared as much physically so that I'll be kind of comfortable when I'm there and kind of prepared physically for these things. um, So I think, you know, now, fortunately, now is a good time where pilgrims-to-be can do a lot of research and, you know, check out those movies and YouTube channels and Facebook groups and talk to other pilgrims. There's so many resources out there where you can, you know, just dive in and maybe keep a journal and, or do a blog. And, you know, I would say if you have that calling, you, you have to do it. You have to answer. (laughs) You might not know why you want to do this, but it, it might be revealed to you when you're on the Camino or later on That's, after you return. 
That's so great. That's so great, Laurie. I love it. I could talk about it for hours, as I think you can tell. But I, <laughs> And I love the fact that everybody who comes on the podcast has a different insight. And sometimes I do ask questions and they say, oh, I haven't really thought about that. So there is so much thinking to do, so much learning to do, so much walking to do. And you know what else, Laurie? A little, a little birdie told me that it's a very special day today. It's your birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday. <laughs> Happy oh, birthday you so to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Laurie. Happy birthday to you. Now, listen, you're also doing a fundraiser in the Bay Area. You're going to do some a walk. Well, tell, tell us about that. Yeah, so this is in support of the nonprofit, the Bay Area Ridge Trail organization that I've been walking sections of. Um, So far, there is 390 miles of trail around the Bay Area. And there's gaps in the trail that need to be um, connected. So this organization is literally breaking trail, a little bit of trail every year or every month. Um, So there's volunteers that go out and um, cut trails, cut through brush. Um, And so I I look forward to volunteering with them when it's physically possible to do that. I'm hoping that this summer I can actually go out on these volunteer days with this organization. Um, Until then, I am walking these trails and I'm happy to report like boots on the ground reporting what these trails are like. So I'm tracking these. I'm making relive videos. I'm taking a lot of photos. I'm documenting all the details that pilgrims will appreciate, like um, where are the bathrooms and where where a good place to park and things like that, you know, those kind of things. So I'll be documenting the Camino de la Cresta, which is my term for this, um, on my blog. And uh, since... It's my birthday. I wanted to do this fundraiser so that um, other pilgrims can can pitch in so they can enjoy it, too. And then you can when you visit, you know, I can take you on some of these trails and you can walk with our Northern California pilgrims. And so you can see the donations at work by the signage and everything that has to happen to make this 550 miles around the greater Bay Area a reality. So that's what I'm very excited about for 2021. And that is my Camino for this year. Fantastic. Now I'm going to put a link for our listeners. If anyone would like to learn more or perhaps to sponsor you, I'll put that link in the podcast notes. Oh, thank you so much, Dan. Thank you so much for making yourself available to talk to us today, Laurie. I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you and listening to your insight. Enjoy your sacred journey your pilgrimage, and thank you for your generosity and what you do for providing for pilgrims. I'll give everybody your website addresses in the outro. Um, In the meantime, walk on and buen camino. Thank you so much, Dan, and I really enjoyed talking to you. Buen camino. My guest this week, Laurie Ferris, the coordinator of the Northern California chapter of the American Pilgrims on the Camino. You can find Laurie's blog and patches and plenty more at thecaminoprovides.com. And you'll find her insight on yoga and wellness at lferris.com. Thanks for your company again this week. I really appreciate your support. Will Rogers was an American actor who ended up a social commentator. And he said, don't let yesterday take up too much of today. Indeed. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino.